Thank you for listening to this podcast. This message brought to you by Pastor Robin Davies is titled, Three Lessons to Change Your Church. His sermon text is John chapter 21, verses 1 to 22, and it was recorded live at Crossroad Church on September 24, 2017, and you can find us at crossroadoc.org. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you have your Bibles open to the Gospel of John chapter 21. Today I want to talk with you about three lessons to change your church. Some of us like change, some of us doesn't like change. And when change comes, sometimes sometimes it can be difficult. But, you know, the church really should be changing all the time, the dynamic. I know we put an emphasis on music and whether we should sing hymns or choruses, and sometimes we we make a bigger deal out of that than we really should uh, because the the key is to worship God. Uh, Your singing and your worshiping isn't for you to be satisfied. It's for Jesus to be satisfied. Amen? So when we sing, regardless of what we sing, we sing to bring glory to God. And today, I want to share with you three lessons to change your church. I want you to realize that God has called you to be an avenue of change in the body of Christ. Now, I'm not talking about change for the worse. I'm talking about change for good. For the, to, to proclaim the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I shared in my growth class today, my growth class today, about the need for all of us to be witnesses and the ability to simply share our testimony with those who don't know Jesus to share our faith. And sometimes we complicate our witness by, by real thinking that we need to memorize this or we need to memorize that. And, and we finally came to the conclusion that that, that sharing our faith is simply telling others what Jesus has done in our life. But yet we don't do that. But yet God has called us to do that. So I want to talk with you about change. And, and we see a wonderful example here in the Gospel of John chapter 21. There are times when change in the church is good. It is good when it progresses the Gospel of Christ in reaching the law, such as giving the missions. It is good when it involves the overall membership of the church, and that that means the church together is doing ministry. In this text in John chapter 1, or chapter 21, starting in verse 1, Jesus gives us three lessons in bringing change to the church. So how can you make a change? Well, we're going to look at Scripture and see how we all can contribute to that change. It says afterwards in verse 1 in chapter 21, the Gospel of, of John, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. Now understand, he had been crucified, he's risen from the dead, now he's appearing a a second time to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, uh, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. Guys, that's awesome, Amen. Wouldn't it be great if you'd say, tell your wife, I'm going out to fish. And she gives you a nice big smile. Because that's what we do, amen? Guys, we want to go out and fish. So they go ahead and say, uh, we're going out to fish. Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. You ever been there, guys? You ever gone out and fish and caught nothing? Of course we have. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. 
Now, guys, how many times have you gone fishing and your buddy told you, you got the wrong jig on there? You got the wrong bait. You're doing it the wrong way. And you know, we don't want other people to tell us how to fish, amen? I don't fish much anymore because when I was a kid, I worked on fishing boats. I filleted fish. I took hooks out of people's faces, uh, all kinds of weird things. I don't really like to fish anymore, but I've seen people fish before. And I've seen people say, I have the right jig. I have the right lure. I I know how to fish. And they get out there and guess what? No fish. Well, if anybody knew how to fish, it was Jesus. Amen. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the nets full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. Verse 9 says, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with some, many of the net was not, able, was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and, and gave it to them, and, and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love no more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that The disciples whom Jesus loved was uh, following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that of you? You must follow me. Let's pray. Father, you've given us Uh, an admonition today that certainly is to follow you but Lord you've revealed in this text three lessons that we can use to change your church 
And Lord, give us insight. Show us, God, how to do that. Show us how to be the church, God, that you've called us to be. Not just for the pastor, but for every member of Crossroad Church. Lord, would you speak to us today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the things I want you to notice about this church is after Jesus was crucified, after he had risen from the dead, his disciples went back doing what they do. And you know, tomorrow you're going to go back doing what you do. Amen. If you're going to work tomorrow, Mondays are always kind of difficult. When I started pastoring churches some 28 years ago, I used to take Mondays off. And uh, I decided instead of being tired and exhausted on my day off, I'd rather go to work being tired and exhausted. So now I take other days off other than Mondays. But Mondays can be a stretch, amen? Mondays can be a difficult day. But you go back doing what you do. But what about the church? What is it that God calls us to do? What change is God calling for Crossroad Church to have in order to be obedient to Him? Well, I believe He's revealed that in this text. He's given us three lessons that I believe are going to be important. You have these lessons in your uh, Bible study notes in your bulletin, and they're going to be on the screen right now. First of all, look at number one. Lesson number one, it involves our dependence upon God. In the first 14 verses of this text, we see the dependence of these disciples. Seven of the disciples made a decision to return to the sea and find what they needed. They were in Galilee because Jesus had told them that he would meet them there. So they were, they were there where they were supposed to be. They were in the right place, but they were using the wrong methods. Now, how many times do we as a church, we find ourselves in the right place, but using the wrong methods? Instead of waiting on the Lord to come and give instruction, they began doing things their way. They began fishing. They began doing things that they were used to doing. However, who told them that he would meet them there? Jesus did. They got ahead of the Lord, didn't they? Have you ever gotten ahead of the Lord's direction and guidance in your life? Amen. Instead of waiting upon the Lord, constantly in God's Word, we are told to wait upon the Lord. Wait patiently upon the Lord. Waiting is a tough thing to do, amen? It's a difficult thing to wait. How many of you remember, you young people, you don't remember this, in the 70s, you remember the gas wars, the gas lines? We got, to, we got to park in a long line to get gas, and sometimes it was an hour, an hour and a half before you could get 10 gallons of gas. And if you remember the last number on your license plate, if it was odd or even, you remember that? Like two of us in this room that remember those days. Uh, if it was an odd day, if you had an odd number, you could go get gas. If you had an even number on your license plate, you couldn't go get gas that day. You, you needed to get it the next day. But we became so impatient with that. Aren't you glad we don't have to do that anymore? Amen. But we are such impatient people. Jesus told the disciples, I want you to go to Galilee, and I'm going to meet you there. They were in the right place, but they were doing the wrong thing. How many times do we as a church, we do the same thing? Sometimes the church can be guilty of that as well. We hear of a, of a good, good method that works in, in another church down the street, and we assume that it will work in our church. But remember, if Jesus is not in it, He cannot bless it. Amen? 
Jesus must be in the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must discover where is it that Jesus is working at Crossroad Church, and we need to join him there, amen? Jesus told his disciples, get to Galilee and I'll meet you there. He didn't tell them to go fishing, did he? Now listen, I appreciate their willingness to get to it, don't you? But we could be in the right place doing the wrong thing if we're not careful. If you're not called to do something, and you're doing it because you're filling an empty spot, I appreciate your willingness to fill that empty spot, but you need to be called to do that. We must be completely dependent upon the Lord. At this point in the disciples' life, They've seen the resurrection of Christ. They've discovered who Jesus is. Jesus comes out to them on the boat. They're not far offshore, and they recognize who he was. That was awesome. But they were fishing, and they were getting nothing. If they would have only waited. Do you remember Jesus' instruction? He said, throw the net out on the right side of the boat. I like that term, on the right side of the boat. That could mean literally the right side or the right side that I want it to be on. They were obedient to the Lord. They pulled up their nets, threw it on the right side of the boat, and and caught a bunch of fish. Do you notice that Jesus gave them instruction and they caught a bunch of fish? Did you get that? Jesus gave them instruction and they caught a bunch of fish. That's the type of church crossroad needs to be. God gives us instruction, and we catch a bunch of fish because Jesus was in it. Amen? Jesus was in that. Those of you who are teaching Bible study classes, I praise God for you. I'm so grateful for you and your sacrifice in, in, in doing that. But do you pray on Sunday morning as you get ready for your class? Are you ready to teach God's Word, or do you just kind of kind of show up. Listen, I've done that. I'm a preacher. I've done this a lot, a long time. There have been times I didn't pray and I just, I just kind of go through the motions. God doesn't want us to go through the motions. Amen. He wants us to be in the right place at the right time, but to do it his way, to do it his way. I I think it's interesting that we see the example of fishing. And I'm not saying that women don't fish, but generally that's something that men love to do. They, they, they kinda, that's kind of their way of getting out and, and kind of doing their thing. And, and, and we have our own way of, of doing it, of fishing. You know, someone says, you know, try this lure, it works every time you try the lure, it doesn't work. He puts on the lure that actually works and he catches all the fish. We're so open to taking instructions from others, but not as open to taking instructions from Jesus. you were to take me fishing, I, I couldn't help you freshwater fishing because I, I don't have a lot of experience freshwater fishing. I could probably help you with saltwater fishing if you want to go sometime. But I'm not going to guarantee you're going to catch fish. But Jesus will guarantee you catch fish if you do it His way. My question to you this morning is, are you doing it His way? Are you open to that change? As lesson one tells us, that it involves our dependence upon God. Are you truly dependent upon God, or, or are you doing it your way? I believe preachers are guilty of that probably more than any others in ministry. 
Because we kind of have our own niche, we kind of have our own way of doing it, and we assume, just like I said earlier, you know, if it worked back then, it'll work now. You know what? Preachers need to learn a lesson of change as well. Maybe I need to change in certain areas of my ministry as a pastor to make sure that I'm doing it God's way. Amen? That I'm dependent upon the Lord. We must be completely dependent upon Jesus. Look at number two, lesson number two. It involves our duty before God. Look at verse 15 through 17. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Again, Jesus said, Simon, Son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. In this text, it changes from fishing to communicating. It involves our duty before God. And this is what Jesus is trying to teach John. In this text, three times the disciple who denied Christ is called upon to reaffirm, repeater, to reaffirm his love for Jesus. Jesus tells, he tells Jesus, do you love me? Let me ask you a question this morning. Is it enough to just verbally tell Jesus that we love him? No. Jesus knew that Peter loved him. Amen? He knew that. But Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? And when Peter responds, he says, then feed my sheep. Love cannot just be verbally given to Jesus. An action must be attached to your love for Christ. Jesus challenges him by asking him a simple question, do you love me? Peter says, yes, you know, I love you. And then Jesus says, feed my sheep. What he's teaching him is, it's not enough just to tell me you love me. You must show that you love me. Years ago, many years ago, when Don and I was dating, many years ago, I lived in Newport Beach, she lived in Orange, and many years ago, I would drive along the highway, uh, 55, this is what I told her, And as I was driving along Highway 55, because we weren't married yet and I was the hunter, I would open my door going 90 miles an hour and I would sweep up beautiful flowers for her. And I brought her flowers every time. She seemed to like the flowers. That was my way of saying, I love you. But eventually, flowers are not enough. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. Eventually, they're not enough. Eventually, love needs to be reflected in other areas rather than just bringing flowers. And kids, I didn't really open my door 90 miles an hour and pick flowers off the highway. That's just what I told her. I don't think that she believed that. Listen, true love is shown when you are obedient to His commands. Peter is told, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Some might say that 
this is the preacher's job, yes, but it's also your job as well. To be living a loving example of what Christ has created in you, there must be action attached. So in this lesson, it involves our duty before God. I guess your question is, the question is for you is, what is your duty before God? Well, search the Scriptures. Search the Word of God. Seek out counsel as to how you can be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you must be doing something for the gospel of Jesus. Now let me remind you, just so that we don't ever forget this, there is not one job in this church that's more important than another job. Amen? Not one job, including the preacher's job. This just happens to be what God's called me to do. Every ministry that you do at Crossroad Church is vitally important. In fact, we do it together. Amen? We do it together to please God. But listen, if we say we love Jesus, then we need to feed His sheep. Amen? We need to be obedient in our call as a church. How on fire would God's people be when we're all doing ministry together? I've been in, in ministry a lot of years, and people come and go for all kinds of reasons. I've learned to accept that and, and understand that. But I guess more than anything else in, in that process of learning the ups and downs of people coming and going is, is the fact that if God has planted me, then He's going to water me, amen, so that I can grow. The most important thing is to make sure that you're planted. Get planted to where God has called you. Do you remember? Jesus told the disciples to meet Him at Galilee, and that's exactly where they were. Amen? Remember, they were in the right place, but they were doing the wrong thing. Make sure you're in the right place, doing the right thing for the right motive. Look at number three. Lesson number three, it involves our devotion to God. According to verse 18 through 22, Let me read that real quickly. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone will dress you and will lead you in a place you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, look at what he said to him. He said, follow me. Peter is reminded that obedience to Jesus carries with it a price. Peter is told what kind of death he is to die before the Lord. We're reminded in verse 19 that Jesus has certain expectations for us in our walk with Him. He says, follow me. One expectation is this, church, and that is we follow Him. Amen? Really simple, isn't it? Follow Him. The words are simple, but the actions can be a challenge. The commitment can be a challenge. After this impromptu breakfast meeting, the disciples were never the same. Peter became a powerhouse for Jesus. The other disciples served with distinction and glorified God in their lives. That ought to be said of you and I today. Amen? I don't know when God's going to call us home. 
But before He calls us home, have we done our best? Have we done our very best? Have we truly followed Jesus? And are we willing to feed His sheep? That question doesn't just align for your pastor. That same question is for you today. Are you following Him? And are you feeding His sheep? Have you learned the lesson the disciples learned? Are you in the right place, but you're fishing with the wrong methods? When Jesus says, do it this way, we need to be obedient. Amen? When he says, cast your nets on the right side of the boat, because you know I really know better. Jesus was the greatest fisherman of all. Amen? Jesus says, I want to make you fishers of men. And you know, folks, he wants to make you and I fishers of men, women, boys, and girls with the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it's for us to do together. Amen? Are you willing to do that together at Crossroad Church? My prayer is that you are. Are you planted here at Crossroad Church? If you're not, get planted. Be where God has called you to be. But then put that in action. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Let's do it together. Amen? If you're here today and you've never put your faith in the Good Shepherd, He desires for you to be His sheep and to follow Him. But in order to follow Him, you need to know Him. You need to receive Him. You need to become a child of God. And in order to do that, you need to be willing to give up everything. I've had people say, Preacher, what does it mean? What do I have to do to, to, to come to Christ? I generally say you have to be willing to give up everything. Because Jesus gave up everything on the cross, didn't He? So you need to be willing to give up everything. You need to be willing to give your life to Jesus. And you need to be willing to receive Him into your heart to allow Him to forgive you of your sin and to, and to make you a new creature in Christ. And you also need to be willing to follow Jesus. And you also need to be willing to be faithful. Now I know that sounds a lot, doesn't it? It sounds like a real commitment, but I want you to rest assured that Jesus has made a commitment to you before you ever thought about Jesus. He showed his love for you on Christ Calvary's mountain, on that cross before you were ever born. So you can't walk away and say, well, Jesus doesn't love me. Yes, he does. He already proved his love. Amen. If he didn't do anything else for us, amen. If he didn't do anything, if he didn't bless us, if he didn't provide for us, which he does every day, we got more than we ever deserved, Christian. Amen? So if you're here today like I was some 40 years ago, didn't know Jesus, today can be a new day for you. In a minute, we're going to have an opportunity. We're going to be singing as a congregation. An opportunity, if you don't know Jesus, to come forward and say, Preacher, I want to know Jesus. Let me pray a prayer with you. Let me share with you what God, what it means to become a Christian. I can't make you a Christian. I can't touch you and make you a Christian. I'm not Jesus. But he does desire to save you. Christian, maybe you're planted here at Crossroad Church, but you're not feeding a sheep. My challenge to you is maybe you need to come to this altar and just get on your knees and say, God, I'm planted, but I'm not doing anything. Let me be purposeful. Maybe you haven't joined one of our Bible studies at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings. 
come and be committed to those classes. They're such a blessing uh, to, to talk about the Word of God together as a church family. Come and commit to that. But in God's Word, you were given three lessons. Lessons are learned, aren't they? When my dad dis- disciplined me as a child, which was rare because I was really a perfect child, but when there was a time for him to discipline me, I learned my lesson. My parents would say, now did you learn your lesson? I guess that question goes to us, doesn't it? Did we learn our lesson today? Do you know him? If you haven't followed him in believer's baptism, our baptistry is going through repairs right now, but in a week or so, we'll be filling it up ready to baptize you. Maybe you're looking for a church home. We'd be glad to pray with you, talk to you about church membership here at Crossroad Church. Maybe you just need prayer. I would be humbled to pray with you. When I'm down there interacting with people, they will turn my microphone off so no one else will hear. Whatever need you have, this is your opportunity. So I'm going to ask that you stand, the praise team to come up, and I'm going to pray with you before we begin singing. And as they come and prepare to lead in our time of commitment, This is your opportunity to get involved in the work of the ministry. So learn the three lessons that we learned that the disciples learned. Sometimes we make a mistake. We think the disciples knew everything because they were with Jesus. Actually, when you read the the lives of the disciples with Jesus, they frustrated Jesus constantly. One time, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says, pray with me for a while. You know what happened to the disciples? They prayed a little while, and then they went to sleep. Jesus prayed with great drops of uh, blood to his heavenly Father. He he got up, went to the disciples and woke them up, said, couldn't you just pray with me for for a, a season? And you know, we do that. We pray for a short time and then we go to sleep. Let's wake up, church. Amen? Let's wake up and be ready when Jesus calls us. If you have a need, this is your opportunity today. Father, we come before your throne today. Lord, as we're about ready to to go out the doors of this building, Lord, if there's one here who doesn't know you, may this be the day of salvation for that person. Lord, I will never forget. I have forgotten a lot of things in 40 years, but I will never forget asking you to come into my heart and save me. I pray I never forget that, no matter how old I get because it was the greatest prayer I ever prayed. So God, if there's one here today that needs you, this is their time. This is their moment. Father, whatever the, uh, other needs that there might be, whether it's baptism or church membership or just coming to pray, Lord, move us if we need to be moved today. But Lord, you showed and you revealed to us three lessons I pray that we have learned them in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing, if you have a need, you come and may God bless you this morning.